Investment advisory services are offered through Retirement Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey. Welcome to Gary Shear's Your Money, Your Retirement podcast, the podcast for people who want to keep their money safe, keep it growing, and get the information they need in order to make smart decisions with their money. We're glad you're here, and let's dive into today's episode. This is Gary Shear, and today we're going to talk about uh, deducing the culprits behind the recent market volatility. By now, you've seen the headlines full of scary-sounding words like route and storm, plunge and crash. Whatever you want to call it, investors have certainly endured a rough time over the past few days. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, dominating the media's coverage as usual, dropped more than 600 points on February 2nd and almost 1,200 points on February 5th. That's a single-day decline of 4.6%, the largest since 2011. The other major indexes were shaky as well. During uh, the rest of the week, we saw some ups and downs. And, uh, well, it's been quite some time since we've seen volatility like this. The S&P 500 skyrocketed almost 20% in 2017. What was even more amazing last year was how calm and consistent the climb was. There was very little volatility. Since the election, any declines have been mere blips on the radar screen. For investors who've grown accustomed to nothing but clear skies and calm seas, all these headlines might seem rather alarming. In fact, we're at the uh, end of the ninth year of a bull market. It's the second longest bull market in history. So for a lot of people, their memories of 2008 and beyond that 2001 are pretty dim. But in my experience, once you look at both why and how something works, it seems to be a lot less ominous. So let's examine why and the how behind this new of volatility. So when we watch the news, in particular, uh, the business channels like CNBC and Fox News, you know, everybody's searching for the culprit. Pundits often treat volatility like a crime scene. Who done it? They might want to know. This leads to a lot of finger pointing at various causes. If you put all of the suspects in a lineup, they would probably stretch out for the size of an average room. So let's focus on three of the most likely perpetrators. The first two are all about our own economy. Wait a minute, you're probably saying, I thought our economy was doing well. And you're right, it is. But here's a truth too many people ignore. The economy and the markets are not the same thing. Here's what I mean. The economy has been growing slowly and steadily for almost a decade. Unemployment is currently at 4.1%, the lowest it's been since the turn of the century. Labor market continues to add jobs almost every month. Best of all, there are signs that wages are finally beginning to grow at a faster pace, in fact, up 2.9% compared to this time last year. Now, for most of us, this is all welcome news, in particular to workers and, and really the uh, entire nation. For investors, though, this can create a bit of a dilemma. It may seem paradoxical, but sometimes good news for the economy isn't always good for the markets. In this case, so much of the market's growth has been due to rising corporate profits. But a low unemployment rate means that in many industries, there are more jobs available than there are workers. That forces corporations to attract more and retain talent. That, in turn, can cut into those profits that a lot of corporations have been enjoying for many years. Even more important is 
what a stronger economy means for interest rates. And we know that interest rates have been hovering at super lows for many years. A lot of people that we've met over the years have built up their nest eggs on CDs, and they effectually remember the 5% CDs for five years for a long time. And when I bring those up when we meet with clients, they uh, often talk about how uh, they used to get 20% on their CDs in the early 80s. And I remember those days all too well. And of course, for people who were borrowing money in those days, mortgage rates were sky high as well. Ever since the Great Recession, the Federal Reserve has worked hard to keep interest rates low. This helped stimulate more borrowing and spending, which in turn helped the economy keep just chugging along. And we had an average of uh, 2% GDP growth every year during the Obama administration. Things are heating up now, and you know we're seeing uh, the good and bad of that. Only in the last two years has the Federal Reserve begun raising interest rates, and their pace was super slow at best. The reason for this is because the Federal Reserve didn't want to raise rates too fast and interrupt a tepid economic recovery. But now renewed economic strength has many believing that higher rates are here again. When interest rates go up, the cost of borrowing increases. Companies and individuals both must pay more to take out loans, which can lead to less spending. Should this happen, economic growth could begin to stall. Historically, low growth and high rates tend to lead to a dip in the stock market. And what about inflation? That is truly a related factor in this whole uh, puzzle of why the stock market has been uh, taking a major bath over the last week. So time for a little Economics 101. Inflation, to put it simply, is a sustained increase in the general level of prices for goods and services. To put it practically, if it costs $1.50 to buy a candy bar, when it previously cost only a dollar, you've likely got inflation. Over the last 10 years, inflation has remained very low, for many economists, almost mysteriously low, given how low interest rates have been. But now there are signs inflation may be on the rise. One reason for this is because wages are going up. This is known as cost-push inflation. When companies pay more in wages, they often raise prices on their goods and services in order to maintain their profit margins. As we've already covered, a sustained rise in prices is the very definition of inflation. One of the tools the Fed uses to control inflation is higher interest rates. Because higher rates reduce borrowing, the supply of money circulating through the economy goes down. This, in turn, can lead to less spending on goods and services, thereby prompting corporations and other businesses to lower their prices. So basically, if inflation goes up, interest rates will likely go up. And we've already discussed what higher interest rates could mean for the markets. Back in December, Congress passed the largest tax reform in 30 years. A major part of that reform was a massive tax cut for businesses. Generally, when businesses pay less in taxes, they don't raise their prices. But when they pay more in wages, they do raise their prices. The question then is, what will most corporations do with their tax cut? Will they use a big chunk of it to pay their workers more? Now, we've certainly been hearing about that in the news with higher minimum wages and bonuses of one to $2,000 across the board, including companies with uh, over 100,000 employees. So that being the case, we may well see inflation go up. On the other hand, if corporations use their windfall on things like expansion and new technology, inflation may well stay steady. Now, uh, if you squint, you'll probably see something buried under all this. The recent volatility isn't because interest rates have skyrocketed or because inflation has gone up. 
it's because they might go up. So basically what I'm saying is that volatility isn't about what has happened, but about what could happen. Welcome to the markets where almost everything is based on future expectations rather than present realities. And that's a lot of what happened during uh, President Trump's first term in office. The markets were moving up based on the assumption of lower interest rates and based on more money going to corporations and individuals and increased spending. But uh, a lot of the negative effects are starting to be felt now at the beginning of uh, the president's second year in office. For months now, analysts have been wondering how high is up? When will stock prices hit the ceiling? Aren't stocks going up too high and too quickly? When will a new market correction occur? Aren't we overdue? So it's almost like they've been talking down the market for a number of months. And well, here it is, the beginning of February. We're here. You see, volatility is inevitable, not just in the markets, but in life. It's normal. Far more normal, in fact, than we saw last year. And because so many investors kept wondering when it would return, the moment new concerns arise of inflation, higher interest rates, how to price in the new tax law, etc., it's easy to think, this is it. The correction is starting. Remember, daily swings in the markets are usually driven by expectation and momentum. When some investors start to buy, a lot of investors start to buy. And the same is true when investors start to sell. So what should we do now? I have a quick story before I answer that. Back in 1994, a 6.7 magnitude earthquake struck Los Angeles around 4.30 in the morning, knocking out power all over the city. But not all of the lights went out. For the first time in over a century, people looked up and saw thousands of twinkling objects in the sky and a great milky band stretching from horizon to horizon. Then the 911 call started. What is that? People asked, worried. Did the earthquake cause it? Of course, you can guess what it was. The Milky Way. For those of us who have spent our entire lives in the glow of the city, it was something new, something unexpected, something just a little bit scary. But in truth, it was there all along. People just couldn't see it. Market volatility is similar in a way. The facts that can cause volatility are always with us. Sometimes they're just hidden. So you might be wondering, what should we do now? The answer is not overreact to something just because it's been a while since we've seen it. It's quite possible that this is just a brief flip. As of this podcast, the markets have been already rebounding slightly. They may continue to do so, and stock prices could continue to go up throughout the year. Remember, the economy is strong, corporate profits are high, and taxes are low. The ingredients are there for continued growth. It wouldn't be a surprise. On the other hand, investors may continue to feel jittery. Inflation could rise, and with it, interest rates. This may be the start of a larger pullback or correction. That also wouldn't be a surprise. Currently, we're still in the second longest bull market in history, but nothing lasts forever. Since we can't control what corporations will do or when the Fed will do it or what the markets will do, we'll do what we've always done. Focus on what we can control. Control the controllables. We'll stick to our long-term investment strategy and not react to market volatility as if a crime had been committed. In the meantime, please know that my team and I are here to answer questions and to keep the public uh Calm and help develop solutions that can enable you to keep your money safe, keep it growing, and give you the security and peace of mind that you need to have in order to have the retirement of your dreams 
and provide for your families the way you've always wished. As always, thank you for the continued trust you place in us. Thanks for listening today, and we'll be back with more good information next week.